He is none other than Snoop Dogg. Yeah, I'm gonna bring a piece of candy for you to look at. You might be able to taste it later too. <laughs> Will Ferrell. I also ran into John Elway in the bathroom. He could have. He could have given me a forearm shiver there. <laughs> Could have rammed my head. Long snapping expert Adam Carolla. We don't call ourselves long snapping what, expert. What do we We're, call ourselves? You just say black belt. You don't say black belt <laughs> karate expert. Black belt says it all. Matthew Perry. Our casting director said, "What about Nick Jonas? He's a pretty good actor." And I said, "Okay, great. Someone tell me who he is." <laughs> I don't download many podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the Rich Eisen Podcast. Presented by Papa John's, here's your host, Rich Eisen. Welcome to the latest edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast, presented by Papa John's. We are almost darn near two weeks away from the NFL Draft in Radio City Music Hall, and I don't want to get anybody's hopes up, but there's mediation in the NFL this week in a federal court. Who knows what might happen? It's very exciting. Uh, hopefully we can get excited about that. And we'll talk a little bit about that later in the podcast. Gabe Feldman's going to join us again to give us some legal advice. Don't worry, it's free. And uh, then uh, Kara Henderson and Michael Lombardi are going to join me to talk about the NFL draft. But right now, I could not be more thrilled to have back on the podcast the guy who I asked to be the first guest on the podcast. And it was an honor to be able to say that. Um, Ray Lewis was the very first ever guest here on the Rich Eisen podcast, and now he is the latest. Good to see you, Ray I'm, Lewis. My man, good How to are you? you? I'm good, man. I was, and I told this to you, again, back in week one, when, when, when you came on. You came on the day after you beat the Jets on Monday Night Football mm-hmm. uh, in the New Meadowlands, spoiled that opening <laughs> for Rex Ryan. I told you, I, wouldn't, I, I didn't want to, you know, you were, you were the one guy I wanted on more than anybody first because of not only what you do on the field, who you are off it, and just how you speak so passionately, you just feel, you, I mean, it drips from you. It, yeah. it drips from you. And um, that's why I wanted you on. And, and when you came on uh, Total Access um, uh, this week as well, I, I, I wanted to have you back on not only to catch up with you, but also to talk about uh, the, the work that you're doing to uh, promote uh, uh, awareness of kidney disease. And we're going to have Shad Ireland on as well, a guy yeah. who you know very well. is a very inspirational man who... Uh, was the first kidney dialysis patient in the world to go ahead and do the Ironman triathlon. Hmm. But I just wanted to catch up with you yeah. and see how see how you're doing. What's going on in Ray Lewis's world right now? I like to use the word everything. 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 It's so much going on. Uh, so much good stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, God is amazing, and business is just everything it should be. You know, mm-hmm. meeting a lot of great people, uh, doing a lot of great things. You know, off the field. And, B- uh, business-wise, you're yes, talking about? yes. Yes. Like what? Yes. What, what is Ray Lewis? Well, if, uh, I'm a, it's all up under my brand, which is RL52 Group. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can definitely go on RL52Group.com and go. see my whole world. You know, my whole world from merchant services to staffing company to a realty company to a clothing line. Uh, so everything. And, and, and now we've just started a, uh, a hedge fund to, to fund, hedge these, fund. fund these players while we are on the lockout. While we are on lockout, mm-hmm. so I'm I'm really doing a lot, not per se for me, mm-hmm. but I'm doing a lot to create a lot of. Different so you're topics. you're you're running a hedge fund, pretty yes, much. Absolutely. Are you the one who's pushing the investment? Are you are you like day trading and stuff? Like that? <laughs> I got a lot. You're like the e-trade baby. Is that what you're doing? <laughs> is that what this is right now? Rich, Rich. When I say everything, I got a lot going on, and and, right. and realistically, mm-hmm. what it is, I have a great team. 
Mm-hmm. I have a great team right now, and mm-hmm. uh, and and we're meeting some awesome people. When again, because again, the words hedge fund they just they leapt out at me. When right. you're saying that to fund the lockout, oh, are you yeah. talking about for other players yeah. right now? Absolutely. Because I know you're, Absolutely. I know you're always, you're always counseling other players yeah. in the NFL. Mm-hmm. But, but right now, you're, you're, you're helping counsel players to invest wisely, or what? 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 What's specific about the lockout and, and this this fund is is there? No, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't even say. You know, when you talk about invest wise, I think we're we're more putting them up under the umbrella to where we can teach them mm-hmm. how to, first of all, control your brand. How to second of all control your money mm-hmm. and how to second of all save your money not to be rich but to be wealthy mm-hmm. you know and these are the things that now when you come up in a strike and you come up in a lockout right that we call it and you don't have that ability then you meet some great people whether it's morgan stanley whether it's whoever it is you say there's something we can do together mm-hmm. you know and like okay i help people anyway but this is not what i want to do with mm-hmm. them. i want to grab these kids and i want to help them so money so money isn't their driven focus you know right. and and that's why so the hedge fund is will take care of itself as far as the player wise you know we're still working through a lot of logistics whatever how much you can do and how much you can't do right. but the umbrella of opportunities of jobs is what i'm more excited about these kids coming in and these young kids first second third fourth year who have nothing else but football going on and, and and rich, trust me. And and not. And when when I was coming up, mm-hmm. you could probably you can possibly get away with that. You can possibly get away with having a great football career mm-hmm. and ride off in the sunsets. Nowadays, you can't do that anymore. You know, nowadays you have to know why it's important. And you know me, I'm kind of biased mm-hmm. with you know giving agents three to five percent of your money. You know, ah, every penny counts. Every penny counts. So we want to re-educate them and take them all back to say this is what you should do from day one. Mm-hmm. Don't wait. Yeah. So so let me ask you this, now that we're sort of on the subject a little bit, um, not to pry into anybody's Mm -hmm. personal matters, but how how many players do you think live check to check Mm -hmm. in the NFL? That's a hard question because unless you're in somebody's lives to really know it, that's impossible. So you don't, you you wouldn't know, be able to. But, and and, and then that ain't, that's not even. Are you worried that it would be a high number? Mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't say I was worried about it would be a high number. I said I would. I'm more concerned about being able to get them in the house to correct it. Right. Yeah, that's what my worry is. I want to get them in-house to correct it. And how many players do you think who are in their third, second, third, fourth year have no regard for what they're going to be dealing with when they're age 33, 35, 36? Do you think it's a large number of of young players? Yeah, I I think it's a large number. Let's let's not even just, you know, break it down to athletes. I think it's a large number of men, period. Right. You know, that once sports is done or once that dream is took away from you, Mm -hmm. life gets hard. And 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 there's and and for and reason being is because we have a certain fraternity that I've always liked look at as a fraternity. That's what the NFL is. It's a certain fraternity. And I believe in that fraternity, we're supposed to take care of each other. That's, that's, that's why we learn all the things we learn. We go through the mistakes we go through. And so I believe the number is mm-hmm. so overwhelming. I mean, if I just came back from a high school and looked at the high school kids and had to throw a harsh number out to them. 1%. That's it. So if you ain't got nothing else going on, then you're going to find yourself in a deep hole, just like right now in, in this lockout. If you don't have nothing else going on, then you're sitting there, then you're sitting there saying, oh, man, if we don't have no season, I'm in trouble. No, you're not. You have a window. A large window of opportunity. Get out there and do it. Mm-hmm. Get out there and brand yourself. Get out there and sell yourself. Get out there and meet these people and shake these people's hands and say, "How can we do business without you know what I'm saying? Without asking for nothing and saying I can give you something 
in return for equity or whatever you want to do with it. And that's kind of my whole approach in the business. What would what would the uh 1997, 98 Ray Lewis say if somebody came with that message to him? To me? Yeah. I mean, if somebody had come to you with the message that you're trying to preach to these young kids in year one, year two in the NFL, what would you have said to that? Would you have been receptive? I would have said thank you. Okay. Because the road, my road there, even to 96 and 97 when I was first starting, Mm -hmm. wasn't an easy road. You know, it was trusting a lot of bad people, you know, whether whoever it is. And uh, so I didn't I didn't have that information. I mean, that's kind of one of the reasons why I want to give that information right. back, because I didn't have it, you know. And that's kind of what I was saying about we could get away with that back in the day. Mm-hmm. Now you can't get away with that no more. You know, you got to know this knowledge. You got to know what's going on anymore. And, uh, and Rich, honestly, they're not educating themselves. Mm-hmm. They're focused on running a fast 40 or jumping a high vertical leap. Mm-hmm. That's it. Right. That's it. You know, and, and, and when you look at the vicious cycle, the vicious cycle, it's only a matter of time before mm-hmm. that happens. You know, we talked about it on the show. You've done 15 <clears throat> seasons now in your 15th season. You missed a grand total of five snaps, <laughs> five snaps. <laughs> you are uh, how old are you now? Thirty five. Thirty five. Thirty six. May thirty six. May. So when there is, I'm going to just go out and say when there's a 2011 <laughs> season, because there's going to be one. I firmly believe it's it. It's going to be one. OK, good. I appreciate. I, I like you. Okay, good. So when there is one, you're going to be 36 years yeah. old, in, 16 years. entering your 16th season. How much longer can you do this? Do you think? I promise you, Rich. Only God Himself can tell me that. I love it too much, and we spoke about it earlier. Mm-hmm. My impact on men is the reason why I, I'm is what motivates me in life. The game is just a stepping stone now. But what you've already done mm-hmm. and accomplished, mm-hmm. you will be able to, the rest of your walking days, not even walking <laughs> days, if, if should that be the case, but not even the rest of your breathing days, let's put it that way, you can walk in any locker room, you'll be able to have an incredible amount of influence on anybody. You, you, will, you will command that lot, but, but you're playing those still. Mm-hmm. I mean, wh- why? Because when it's over, it's over. Mm-hmm. And there's no, you, you, we can't rewind the clock. That's what we always got to be careful with, with this sport, with, with sports in general. <clears throat> yeah, now, if you want to go and play golf, you can play golf till you're 70, mm-hmm. 80, but we don't play golf. You know? So that window is only so, so, so large as it is. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the question you have to ask yourself is, why think about retirement if you still love it, one, if you're still at the top of your game, but two, and if three, they don't pay me to play on Sundays. They pay me to work Monday through Saturday. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. And, and if you're telling me that that's what you pay me for, mm-hmm. that's what I love doing. I love being a student. Are you, know? you thinking about the end game scenario at this point? Are you My thinking end about game? Yeah. Nah, heck no. No? Too much left. Too much left. And I got, and I got a bunch of men around me mm-hmm. who I respect to play the game. That's one thing to like somebody. It's a different thing to respect somebody. I like the men I play with. Mm-hmm. Lodi Nala, I love him. Hey, Reed, I love him. Sizzle, I love him. Double J, love him. Mm-hmm. Love him. And, and when you got that type of brotherhood, you don't walk out on that. You know, not, if, not, if, not if you got health, not if you got the, 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 the love for it, mm-hmm. you keep doing it. God darn it. Don't you ever turn your back on them because you can't explain that to them. You know what I'm saying? Because their careers are so young, they're looking at me saying, when I walk through the door, they know everything okay. You know, and that's the way they look at it. Still, in every meeting. And and and, what do you think about? Let's. I mean, I almost feel um, 
silly talking football with you because again, you, it's it's yeah. it's you know I, I like talking issues with you mm-hmm. more than not. But yeah. I, I but a lot of people listen to this podcast and, and they want to know about Ravens football. What what do you think? What do you think is missing? And by why there's a reason why I say missing is because you know I, we 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 all judge things by whether you win the trophy. You don't, Absolutely right. Yeah. So what what as the Ravens enter 2011? What's missing? Finish. Finish. It ain't hard. Finish. Uh, you you when you're in this business, I tell you, man, when you've done it before, you know what it's about. Mm-hmm. I touched the Lombardi before. And I know, I saw men, I saw grown men cry for the first time in my life. Mm-hmm. You know? And I realized that it wasn't their time. That year, it was the Baltimore Ravens time. Last year, was the Green Bay Packers time. No matter how great your season was, and for us to be back in the championship game, to be in the back in the division around three years ago, to be in the AFC championship game, mm-hmm. if the ball bounces one other way opposite, if the flag don't get thrown on that punt return, then we might be in the Super Bowl. But then a harsh reality still sets in. Green Bay Packers still win the Super Bowl. That's what God had for them. So it's nothing tangible. You say it's nah, just it's 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 all something. It's you not can't, tangible. Because uh, when you say finish, how do you how do you how do you? Finish? That's what team. That's what that's what when you when you start to become a great team, mm-hmm. you learn to finish. Anybody can start a game. Anybody can look good and you know compete and make the game exciting. Right. Champions finish. A true, that's the only way. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you look at the Super Bowl this year with the Green Bay Packers and the Pittsburgh, and I'm sitting there and I'm saying to myself, I said, nobody, if unless you're watching football right now, don't know that Pittsburgh in trouble. Because Green Bay was there to finish. Mm-hmm. They weren't there to, to leave nothing unturned. Finish it. And that's what they did. Charles Wilson went down. Driver went down. <laughs> they started, the, the young receiver went down. They lost four key people. And that you you were sitting, where are you, in your house? My house, by myself. That's you didn't have a Super Bowl party? No. Don't no really By myself. Anymore. Just by yourself. Mm-hmm. I, I ain't gonna I ain't gonna celebrate nobody else's Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be serious here. I watch Are it, you but... texting somebody? Are you are you are are you are you are you on the phone with friends and or anything like that? No, nah, actually I think I was getting I probably was getting texts, but you know, like I said, I'm 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 a fan. Right. I'm a fan. So I watch the small things, like the sort of small, small things I'm watching. And that's when I start to see the little things started, right. the game started to change. You know, and the turnovers started to come. I said, hmm, this is going to be a rough one. So you're not in the stage of your career, because a lot of players that I've spoken to who have achieved greatness and uh-huh. who have already in many ways achieved their greatness in the game forevermore, um, entering a 16th season, entering a 36th year of life <laughs> with a lot of other stuff. that They don't even run hedge funds. Yeah. You know, they don't have yeah. hundreds of players that they want to they uh, teach the game and the game of life to. They're all like, oh, if we win this year, I'm stepping away. Wow. I'm tapping out. Wow. I'm leaving. That's yeah. not your mindset? I can't. I can't. Even when I mentioned it, I tried to joke around, you know, with a loading them. Mm-hmm. And then you get a certain look that, as a brother, they're saying, don't do that to me. Like, and that's what, Haloti is kind of the main one. Mm-hmm. He's like, don't do that. Don't ever leave me. And I'm like, Haloti, I got to leave now. At some you know, point, One right? day I got to walk. He was mm-hmm. like, but. I got you. I'm going to protect you. 
You just run around and knock people out. That's mm -hmm. what you do. And, Rich, I'm telling you, that brotherhood, you can never recreate it. When, that, when that's done, he has his life to live. I have my life to live, you know? And then, you know, you, you, you talk to each other from afar. You know, it's the same thing about me and Rob Wilson, you know? The greatest relationships in the world. But what we share during those seasons can never be replayed again. Yeah, can we call each other and talk about it? Absolutely. And, and talk about the memories. But I'm still living it. I'm still living it. And, and there are some men. I just talked to Double J today, Jared Johnson. Just mm -hmm. talked to him today. He's just talking about getting together and just hooking up. And I'm like, that's what it's about. Mm -hmm. Because when this game is done, you know, your stats are going to be, you know, numbers going to be what they are. But relationships is what you always be remembered by. Coaching? Do you think you want to coach? Uh, you know what? That'll be a hard decision. That would be a hard decision because if you want to continue to be in a locker room and teach God, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, boys to become men. You, you, you know, Rod just became coach. Yeah. Of the you saw my son, though. You saw my baby. Right. You know, to to stay away from that any longer, I, I need to go see that. You know, um, your son in high school. Right? Yeah, man, I'm ready to. And to college. I yeah, imagine, right? yeah. And when he makes that step into college, you know, Daddy probably give it. I haven't been. I will give it. That's what me and him always talk about. You know and. He's, he's running me crazy right now because he's turning 16 in June and he wants a car and you know, daddy ain't ready for you to have a car. I still want you to be little Ray. I want you to be my baby. But, but honestly, I, I, I can't tell you that uh, coaching will be on my radar. Uh, I believe first and foremost, I believe God is calling me in such a greater way to really impact them. And if that's in my future, then he'll show it to me you know, later down the line. But Right now, my future will definitely be create my businesses only to have the leisure to really follow and chase my babies. But in the meantime, you're going to continue to hit people. On yeah, I can't stop Sundays that, Rich. I can't stop that. And Monday. That's what, what, why I train the way I train. Can you put ourselves, but just to, again, uh, uh, can you put a fan in your shoes when you are getting set mm. for a Sunday? No. I wish I could. It's a totally different person. You know, it's a person that, it's a person that, um, that person on game day deals up every, I dig up every pain that I've ever dealt with. And I carry it with me on the football field. Every pain. And childhood? Every and pain. It's a flash. Every game. Every game is that same pains and they come back and they come back and they come back. And I'm sitting there saying, don't you ever not appreciate this. Because, I, because it's, it's, it's one thing to tell somebody else's story. It's another thing to tell your story that you and only God knew what my prayers has been since nine years old. Mm -hmm. That's it. So for me to not appreciate that or not look up in the sky on some of them Sundays and say, Lord, you're merciful. Mm -hmm. Are you that good to me that you will let me have this opportunity just to be out here, just to show my talents? Mm -hmm. When somebody, somewhere... Is looking for a bit of hope, bit of faith, bit of love. Somebody looking for something, looking for some example to say, why should I keep going? Mm -hmm. I found myself in every dog pit it was to find myself in. Now that I found myself out of it, I just want to rejoice and have fun in it. And that's why I, the game, that's a totally different animal on game day. It's my greatest reward, not, not only to my mother, which is Mother's Day, but it's more a greatest reward to God himself to show him that I will give everything I got. That's why I don't believe in being tired on game day. You see, because I believe it's the greatest opportunity to show my talent and what I've been blessed with. Well, but just hearing 
If I had to do something every day that I loved, yeah. but in order to be as great as I possibly could be at it, I had to relive all the pain that I've ever mm-hmm. had. I don't know if I'd want to do you that. You sure? I don't know. You know, I mean, I, it, that's, remember, that's only on game day. Just one day. I, even one day a week. You know what I mean? Even yeah. one day a week. It's, it clicks it, you it, back in. It makes reality set in real quick. Right. Don't ever not appreciate where you are. Because, see, while we're playing that game, and these are harsh realities. Right. Unless you're, unless you're inside the numbers. You see? If, you, if, if, you, if you're inside the numbers on, on the hours a football game to take, takes, mm-hmm. do the numbers. Because you would do this. Do the numbers on how many people are murdered during that time. How many women are raped during that time. How many kids give up suicide during that time. This is what's going through? Absolutely. Good and evil exists every second of our life mm-hmm. because the things are put in the middle of them, they're only barriers. So you can't see it. Mm-hmm. But there's pain that surrounds us. Raven Stadium? Mm-hmm. Raven Stadium is less than 10 minutes away from the harshest place. We got the number one or number two crime rate in the world in Baltimore. Right. Raven Stadium is placed less than 10 minutes away from the greatest horror you've ever seen in your life. We can't, we can't walk out of that stadium act like that don't exist. That's why when I leave the stadium, I walk and I tell my guy, take me somewhere else. Take me to the hood. Let me change one person's life. On Sundays? Win, after, lose, or draw. After a game. Win, lose, or draw. I go, I go to the hoods of hoods. I go where, 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 where nobody don't want to go. Because they say, oh, you don't go there. Why? What happens? <laughs> Conversation. Somebody looks at me and say, what you doing down here? What you doing down here? Right. The only difference with me and you is I made a decision to do something different. So, I mean, again, it, it, I've never heard this before. Um, you're playing a 1 o'clock game against Pittsburgh. Yeah. You're beating each other's brains. Yeah. Like, because everybody loves to yeah. watch it. When, and, and then, and then uh, you do your media. Mm-hmm. You shower up. You do mm-hmm. your media. 530. See my family. 530. You're, you're, you're after, somewhere else in the city I, of Baltimore. After I see my family. I see my family. And somebody I'm going to bless. I'm going to go try to help somebody because that's my reward. Uh-huh. Baltimore, you know, it's, it's one thing to, to when, you, when, when you're granted something. Mm-hmm. You see, we didn't have a team. So we're talking about years ago when I had these prayers at nine years old, God knew what was coming in 1996. I didn't know it. Mm-hmm. I didn't know it. Did I have the pleasure of meeting Johnny United? Absolutely. Shook his hand. When was that? Years before Johnny died. Mm-hmm. I was there. You understand? Mm-hmm. I saw that. And I'm sitting there saying to myself, when you walk outside in Baltimore, if you're able to walk on the sidewalk and people cry mm-hmm. because they see me, then my, my calling is way greater than football. And it's up to me mm-hmm. to make sure that gets out. There ain't nobody else to tell me, oh, Ray, you need to go do this. You need to go do that. No. 17-year-old kid sitting in the house and just diagnosed with bone cancer and thought he just had a shoulder pain this thing. And his mama emails me and she was like, "If any, I know you're so busy. I'm not that busy. I'm on my way home. But turn this corner. Where, that guy, where, where does that kid live at? Mm-hmm. Walk in his house, not even knowing I'm walking in his house. His head is down, gave up in life. And I stood over him. And he was looking at me from the reverse side. And I stood over him, Rich. And he jumped up with the greatest spring his mama said he's had in years. And I said, we'll make it together. Been going through his treatments, been going through ups and downs. This is just, one, this is just a couple of stories. So when you go to a city, when I, go, when I get to Houston, I meet a 16-year-old kid that got less than three months to live. But on his bucket list, he wanted to meet me. 
See, that ain't got nothing to do with sports. Mm-hmm. And that's why you got to remove yourself from the game that God won't ask us nothing about. He won't ask me how many Super Bowls I want. He won't ask me how many tackles I want. Man, he won't ask me none of that. The day of judgment, he will ask me, how many people did you tell about me? And, and that's why I walk the path that I walk. I don't walk the path to be liked. And this is, and this is what you go through on a, on a Sunday. Yes, sir. See? And you said you couldn't put the fan in your shoes. And you just did. <laughs> <laughs> you just did. Yeah, man. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I, I, honestly, I've not, I've not heard that story yeah. anywhere. I've not yeah. heard that story anyway. Yeah. And you, you've got uh, somebody else here. Shad, come on up here now. Shad Ireland is here as well, who you are, uh, you're hooking up with as well. Shad, take a seat here. Thanks. This is Shad Ireland, everybody. Welcome to the Rich Eisen podcast presented by Papa John. Shad Ireland, uh, first kidney dialysis patient in the world to accomplish the Ironman yeah. triathlon. And uh, Ray, as your work as the vice chairman of the United Athletes Foundation. Yeah. You met Chad? Yeah. I met a great person. Uh, great thank man. You. Thank you. It's, um, you know, I was listening to what you were saying about pain. And um, I started dialysis when I was 10 years old. Mm-hmm. I was diagnosed in 1983. And I can relate to what Ray was saying because, um, you know, it's very, Ironman's an extreme sport. It's a painful sport. <laughs> uh, it takes a year to train for an Ironman. Uh, a lot of the athletes don't make it to the starting line because of injuries. And, and once you're there, it's, it's, you have 17 hours to finish a 140.6-mile journey. Right. And I went through the same things that, that Ray went through when I was doing Ironman. And, and after that, the triathlons that I've done, and I rode my bike across the country, it's that pain that drives us. You know, I got an email from a woman in the Czech Republic who said, I'm 62 years old, you don't know who I am, but in my country I'm taught that I should rest when I'm given this disease. Today, the day my today is the day my life changes because of you. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm able to get through this because of the pain and the struggle that I went through. I'm effective at what I do today. The, the people that I talk to, oh, the people that I inspire, and I say that humbly. But I'm effective because of what I went through as a child, right. and and it, it led me to to triathlon. It led me to Ironman, and it led me to ultimately become an advocate. And I feel humbled and blessed. And you know, on Sundays and Saturdays and Monday through Fridays, I'm thankful to God for this gift that I've been given. I, I believe that as an athlete, we've been given a privilege to do what we do, whether it's triathlon, whether it's football, basketball, all of it. And with great opportunity comes greater responsibility. responsibility. And that's why I think Ray is the man that he is. That's why I'm committed to giving back to the communities that, that I serve. Um, we, we look at things differently. Mm-hmm. We, we've been given the gift of perception. And I'm, I'm thankful to be here. And, uh, uh, you know, it's an honor to sit next to one of my heroes. And it's wow. pretty, yeah, it's pretty uh, neat to hear such a testimonial, you know. And because uh, the work that you guys are, are doing together, uh, I know you are trying to save as many lives as possible with kidney disease that's preventable. Yeah. Right? Very preventable. Obesity and diabetes can be attributed to 75% of all of our health care costs in this country. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the bad news. And, and, you know, we find ourselves in the situation that we're in. But the good news is, is those things can be changed. Exercise. Yeah, exactly. Get out of the house. Live life. See the sunset. See the sunrise. Ride a bike. Ride a bike. Mm-hmm. <laughs> go, back and, go back and take care of you. That's what the message is, man. Find out who you are from the inside. That's why we connect. It ain't hard. You know, we sit next to each other, you know, it's like we're one. 
You know, and that's why I like Shaq. I love his heart. I love his journey. Because mm-hmm. his journey ain't the, ain't the silver spoon, you know. Mm-hmm. Grew up and, oh, everything's so perfect. Hey, if you're going to do right now, you know, many are called. Few are chosen, you know, and a lot of people ain't chosen. And you were taking part in the, uh, Shad, the 2011 Amgen Tour of California, yeah. part of a 24-month take on the tour mission to ride in the stages of the world's major cycling tours, right? Yeah, it's never been done. I'm trying to become the first dialysis patient. I'm trying to make history again. I'm, I'm trying to, you know, our model with, with UAF, we, we got together and we developed this, this model called the Justice Strategy. And we're implementing it through technology. But at the end of the day, it consists of three things. It consists of inspiration. It consists engagement. And then tools and resources. Mm -hmm. You have to inspire, which I think Ray and others at United Athletes Foundation and myself do. Then we come in and we engage people where they're at. That's the difference in our strategy. We combine that with technology, tools, and resources. That model can carry somebody on a different trajectory. It can save their life. And... And, and that's what we're excited about. And, you know, I'm passionate about cycling. I'm, you know, doing something that I'm getting the privilege to do something that I love. I mean, the first stage, I'm riding a stage two. It's a 133-mile ride from Lake Tahoe to Sacramento. Oh, my goodness. There are people that are but, saying. Uh, that, by the way, by the way, I, I know that area. That, that's not a straight line. <laughs> not at all. That's not a straight line. Not and that's not, that, that's, that's not downhill either. I'm going to uh, text them and tell them to keep up the good work. Man, because I'm not riding with it. <laughs> Ray has a bike, you know. Tell me how to take pictures. I will, I will be your camera guy and everything. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. That is that is, is pretty remarkable. And people can follow you, Shad, on Twitter, at IronShad. Yeah. Uh, also follow the athletes, um, United Athletes Foundation on Twitter, at United Athletes. Where can people go for, uh, to a website to, to, to find out more and to, to pitch in? Uh, TakeOnTheTour.com. I will tell you that I have a foundation, the Shad Ireland Foundation. Mm-hmm. We're building an endowment. I believe in, in self-funding the organization and giving 100% of the resources raised back to the communities we serve. Uh-huh. That's the whole point of creating the endowment. And I hope that in the next 24 months that uh, the endowment will be fully funded. And, uh, you know, that money will be professionally managed conservatively. It will never be touched. And it will allow the organization to reach its ultimate goal to give away 100% of the money that it takes in. Well, if there's ever any problems with the money, I know the Ray Lewis hedge fund will step in Amen. and <laughs> take care of business right there. Uh, and, and also, is there another website that, uh, that people could go yeah, to? Yeah, you know, uh, two things. For, for the listeners, you know, if I could just encourage them to visit ultracare-dialysis.com. Okay. Uh-huh. That's where they can go to see, uh, to learn more about kidney disease and its leading causes. And if you have obesity, high blood pressure, diabetes, please... See your doctor and get your GFR checked. It'll save your life. Got to get checked. Well, uh, Shad, uh, it's a a pleasure, honor to meet you. Thank you. Ride like the wind. Swim like the wind. Run like the wind. (laughs) uh, uh, God willing. uh, Yeah, of course. And, Ray, I feel like Haloti Nada. Don't go. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like don't go. Don't go. Stay here. Don't ever leave. uh, (laughs) Listen, man, you're you're as unique as they come. They broke the mold. We all all know that. And um, I couldn't be more thrilled. I know you had a long day with all of that stuff with all the media, and I really appreciate you coming on the podcast again. I ended it with the right person. You're the best. That's Ray Lewis (laughs) and Shad Ireland here on the Rich Eisen Podcast presented by Papa John's. Wow. That was as inspirational, as intense an interview I've, I've ever conducted in my entire career. That's what Ray Lewis is all about. I wasn't kidding. He, he, he drips off him. He wears it on his sleeve. There's, there's, only one, there's only one way Ray knows how to talk. 
and that's from uh, from the heart. And I know a lot of people always uh, remember Atlanta and what happened with him uh, that Super Bowl weekend, and we'll never forgive him uh, for what he may or may not have done. But I I love the guy, I love him. He's one of the he's one of the best players I've ever met in the NFL. He's exactly what what you root for on Sundays. And you heard what he does when he's not playing. And playing playing is just uh is just a stage for him for everything else. He's unbelievable. Uh let's switch gears to the lockout now. <laughs> As if we're not uh overly uh filled with intensity and intense subjects. Um but hey, there there's a there's a silver lining here. There there could be a brightening of the clouds of the storm clouds with the development that happened this week. We finally passed uh, the one month part of this lockout. It feels like a year. It's it you know time did not fly. Let's put it that way. But we 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 uh, we went over the one month milestone mark since the day of decertification, and then also the day of. Uh, of the lockout being instituted by by the league, and uh, on the one month anniversary, it was announced by Judge Susan Nelson, who's hearing the antitrust case that the players filed on that day of the certification. Uh, it was announced that she's going to force both sides into mediation. Now, both sides since the day of the certification and the lockout have constantly said in press releases, in interviews, that they would love to talk to one another. And the only problem is, how do you talk to one another? The union says they were decertified, so any time that they'd be talking would have to be with the class council. It would have to be with their lawyers. And the league's like, well, we don't want to talk to your lawyers. We don't feel you were decertified. You decertified improperly. We want to collectively bargain. And the union's like, well, we can't because we decertified. And because we decertified, we're going to sue you. Well, now, finally, they're going to have to talk to one another. And uh, it's up to now the... uh, Chief Magistrate Judge Arthur Boylan of Minnesota, a chief magistrate who, according to his bio, is a diehard Chicago Bears fan. So he knows the magnitude of the job that he has here. He knows the stakes. He understands what's going on here. The question is, can he get something done? And what is this all about? So let's bring our legal expert, the podcast legal expert, NFL Network's legal expert from uh, a Tulane uh, Law School, the sports uh, law expert, Gabe Feldman. Welcome back to the program, Gabe. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Richard? Thanks for having me back on. So, basically, who knew when Jay Cutler had uh, a knee injury and he's standing on his knee injury during the NFC Championship game, who knew? when he was rooting his heart out for Caleb Haney to pull one out against the Packers and send his beloved Bears to the Super Bowl, little did Judge Boylan know that the fate of the NFL 2011 season would wind up in his lap, in his hands. Is that overstating it? It it may be overstating it a little bit, but for the time being, he has a chance to be the hero. He has a chance to get the sides back together. Judge Nelson ordered it, so we know that they will finally be talking on Thursday together, face-to-face. And then the question is, can Judge Boylan find whatever it takes to bridge whatever gap is left between the two sides? Can he be the Caleb Haney of the the lockout, in in essence, is what we're, we're saying right here? He could. 
he could. I mean, well, we'll he could be the Frank Reich. I don't know how many. Well, I'd let, maybe we could go. Let's go with Frank Reich because Frank Reich pulled it out. Right. right? You know, that's why I figured we go with Reich. Yeah, let's, let's, let's do that because Caleb Haney fell short and we can't have that because it seems to me here. Uh, here's the question. So they will face to face one another. I know that because on Tuesday, uh, uh, Judge Boylan met just with the class counsel, with the legal staff, the legal uh, team for the players. And then on Wednesday, did the same with the NFL. On Thursday, they, they they talk together in the same room. That's it, right? Jim Quinn's in the same room as David Boys, as as uh, as uh, uh, Greg Levy of the NFL, and Demora Smith of the players. They're all across from a table from one another? Is that the way it works? That will be the idea. Yeah, they, they meet individually on Tuesday and Wednesday. Judge Boylan gets up to speed, figures out what their positions are, figures out what the room for compromise is, and then brings them together and sees if he can hammer out a deal, or at least on Thursday, can they make any positive progress? Right. I don't think anyone expects a deal to be done on Thursday, well. but we might know if there could be talks on Friday, Monday, Tuesday. So. Yeah, well, that's what I'm, I was going to ask you, too, because with mediation, it was like banker's hours, you know? I mean, it was like they, they it was 9, and then they left at 5 or 6 o'clock. Could they meet on weekends? Is this, is this an around-the-clock potential scenario here? Absolutely. I mean, whatever a judge orders you do, and the judge can have hearings on the weekend, she or, or here, Judge Boylan, could certainly order mediation on weekends. And I think Boylan, being the rabid Chicago Bears fan, understands what every passage of every day means for the league and for the players, but also recognizing that Judge Nelson is going to be ready to rule in two weeks. And they want to have talks sufficiently far in to see if it's worth continuing those talks before Nelson rules. Because Nelson's going to sit there and say, All right, I'm ready, mm-hmm. but as long as you guys are making progress, I'm not going to rule because I don't want to rule. I want you guys to resolve this voluntarily. So she's monitoring the situation. Does she speak to Judge Boylan every day? Is Does he file an actual report that we could read? I mean, what 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 what's the communication here between him and the judge, you think? My guess is she'll be supervising pretty closely um, to, to gauge the progress to see if she should be prepared to rule mm-hmm. as soon as talks break down. Uh, because if talks completely break down, then there's no reason for her to wait. The, the two-week period may be so she can make her decision, so she can write an opinion. It also may be to give the sides enough time to reach an agreement. Well, the question is, will they will they talk about the money here? Because that's what it's all about. I mean, uh, there, there's other issues I understand about a, a rookie scale, and then there's the HGH issue that the commissioner raised publicly a couple weeks ago that we know that the league has been pushing for quite some time, that he wants HGH testing in the new collective bargaining agreement. I understand there's the potential of an 18-game schedule that have, that seemed to be DOA based on the last owner's proposal. I understand there's all of those issues, but it's about the money. That's why we're here right now. They couldn't agree on the revenue split. And all I kept thinking in the last week was, was David Boys and Jim Quinn and all these lawyers in front of a judge arguing antitrust law. We couldn't have been further away from the stuff that we needed to have talked about in order to get a playing season in 2011. We couldn't be further away from the nuts and bolts, the nitty and the gritty, the money. Will that be discussed in this mediation? Because if, it, if it's not, then we're, then we're, we're lost. That will be discussed. That, that's why they're going to meet. No one, to be honest, cares who's right about the Norris LaGuardia Act. <laughs> Nobody cares who's right about the NLRB and Judge Nelson's jurisdiction. The only people who care about that are the lawyers and the law professors. But whoever wins that battle, that, that has no impact on the collective bargaining agreement. I think the players would be happy to say, you know what, owners, you were right. Norris LaGuardia prevents an injunction, but we'll take $500 million in return for that. That's what they care about. I mean, the legal issues are just backdrop. 
the the winner of the litigation was going to use that win not to try to significantly change the terms of the CBA, not to try to eliminate a salary cap or a draft. They were trying to use it to get more money. It's, it's as simple as that. And so I think Judge Boylan will get right to that. We'll say, let's put aside the legal arguments, strengths and weaknesses to both sides. Let's now see if we can come to a compromise on the revenue gap. And he's, he, I mean, he's done this before, reading his bio. You know, the, again, the last line was that he was a big Chicago Bears fan. Uh, the line says, much to the chagrin of his Minnesota-born wife, Judge Boylan remains a diehard Chicago Bears fan. So, again, the, the, he understands rivalries and the nuance. I mean, he gets it. There's no doubt about that. But the question is, uh, will he be able to get this thing done in a way that George Cohen and the federal mediation uh, and conciliation service in Washington, D.C. couldn't. I, I don't know how many times I could ask the question, and obviously we don't know the answer, but the, the question is, will he be able to knock the heads together in order to do that? Yeah, that, that's the key question, obviously, and we won't know until next few days play out mm-hmm. and see if he can make any progress whatsoever. But the benefit that Boylan has that Cohen didn't have is, one, he can keep them in the room as long as he wants to because he's got that power as a judge, and he's got Judge Nelson behind him. Two, it's a new face, it's an outsider, so he can bring a different perspective to it, and he can say, look, I have no horse in this race, I have really no experience negotiating sports collective bargaining agreements, but tell me your positions and I'll tell you if they're reasonable or not, and then see if I can bring you guys a little bit close together. And then finally, the hope is that through Judge Nelson's questioning during the hearing on Wednesday Mm -hmm. and the conference call on Friday, she put some fear into both sides. Because we know they can reach a deal right now that both sides would be relatively happy with. It wouldn't be perfect, but they'd be okay with it. The risk is if you don't resolve this now, you let the litigation play out, someone is going to lose and someone is going to end up with a deal that is much, much worse than they could have gotten now. So the question is, are you willing to take that right. risk? Because to me, here's, here's the way I'm reading it. And, and again, you, you could, uh, it, is the, isn't the role of a lawyer to, to manage expectations, right? And, and, to, and to tell a, a client or somebody who's trying to read tea leaves what the reality is, right? Isn't that what the role That's role part is? of the role, yeah. Okay, okay. okay. So, here, so you play that role here with what I'm about to say. To me, it, I, this is the way I look at it, that this is the best time that we're going to have for the rest of the summer in order to strike a deal. And by that, I mean this. Both sides have cover with their constituencies, D. Smith with the players um, and the league with the owners. Hey, we have we we had to do this because the federal judge was on our backs and uh, the pressure was on, and there was no guarantee that we could get what we wanted through litigation. So all of that together, we had to do this. So no, neither party could go back to the, the heads of, of their organizations and, and point a finger at them and say, you, you, you didn't do the best you could do for us. So there's cover for everybody. Number two, this is now a situation, it's the bubble has been created that they can't argue about, well, you didn't decertify, well, you were suing us, all that stuff. That's removed from the equation as well. Also, here we go. You got the draft coming up in two weeks. You can strike a deal now and right before the draft, announce it and get everybody, fans, Teams back on board, back in business. Boom. The NFL draft is there. The number two highest rated, uh, the number one highest rated non-game event the NFL could put on. Right after that, you will release the schedule to whet everybody's appetite for 2011. Right after that, 
you open free agency, and you are on the back pages of sports pages from here until the beginning of the season. Now is the time to get it done. Your thoughts, Gabe? <laughs> well, I agree with you 100%. I know you do, but give me, give me no, the reasons okay. why there may be someone in the room who says this is, this is not the time to strike a deal. Let's, let's, get, let's keep holding out. Let's keep suing. Let's, I mean, you know what? I mean, who's, yeah, here's the counter. Me, yes. The, the counter is all of that may be true, and I'm sure someone, if not multiple people, are saying that in the league offices and the players' offices. The, the counter is let's sacrifice something in the short term. We may hurt the ratings of this year's draft. We may dampen some of the enthusiasm for this upcoming season. But it's worth it because if we fight this all the way through and we win the litigation, not just in front of Judge Nelson, but we win the final battle in front of the Eighth Circuit, if that plays out the way we think it will play out, then we're going to be much better off next year, the year after that, the year after that. Let's be willing to give up some short-term gain to get that huge long-term profit. So if we're willing to give up $10, $20, 30000000 million now in legal fees and everything else we might lose, it'll be worth it because we'll get $500 million extra a year. And that calculation will make sense to a lot of people in the room. Who's saying that? A lawyer? Legal staff saying that? Who, I don't, don't you have to name names. Who do you I, think saying something like that? I think that? it has to be either one of the lawyers or someone with legal expertise because in order for that scenario to make sense, you've got to be confident that you win the legal battle. Because if you're not confident you win the legal battle, then you're not getting the extra $500 million the other side is. So they're both, they both seem to be relatively confident. Obviously, someone's going to be wrong. They can't both win the legal battle. Right now, I have to think the owners think they're, they're likely to lose before Judge Nelson. She may not grant the injunction, but right. I don't think Nelson's really believes that the, the, the league has a particularly strong case. So then how would that be a loss if she doesn't, uh, lift, the, if she doesn't lift the lockout? Well, she could say, uh, this is clearly an antitrust violation. Uh, you'll lose if this goes to trial, but I don't see the irreparable harm to give you the injunction. For the moment. For the moment, right. And, and so the players can continue with the suit. Every day you lock them out, they get three times damages for money not being paid, and you'll feel a lot of pain later. I'm just not going to lift the lockout right now. Mm-hmm. But the owners could say, we expect that. Judge Nelson is relatively liberal. We don't expect her to side against the union. And we'll win in front of the Eighth Circuit. The appeals court. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's the in, Ju- in July, when the players are closer to missing an actual paycheck. That's, right. That's the mindset that could, that could, from the owner's side, that could scuttle this. What's the mindset from the player's side that could scuttle this? Same. The same thing is that we think we're close to getting the lockout lifted. We think if we strike a deal now, we can be fine. But if we strike a deal after we've lifted the lockout, we'll yeah, get a much but, better. I mean, don't you think from the player's side right now, this is the highest point their leverage could get? Because there's still the unknown out there that what Judge Nelson could do. And there's still the unknown that, you know, the Eighth Circuit could still rule in their favor. I mean, all of that unknown is weighing on the owners right now. As you said, the owners themselves have known that. And plus, the, if, if this thing goes into May... There's going to be some considerable dollars lost with business partners. The business partners want to know right now what what the what the season's going to look like. They want to know what the campaign for the Super Bowl is going to be, so they can all get on board with their advertising campaigns and with their marketing staffs to get to get on board with the. They they want to know this stuff right now, and it just seems to me that the players right now this is it. This is this is it right now. 
they've got it. They've got they've got a they've got it better certainly than where they were on March 11th, right? They've got more leverage on April 11th, don't they? They do. They do. Well, they've got some favorable language uh, from the questions from Judge Nelson, but it's going to take two to get that deal. So the players might be willing right. to give in a little bit. If the owners aren't, then you're still not going to get a deal, and that may be part of it is that the players may see this as the best time for them to get a deal, and the owners say, well, why would we make a deal now? Let's, let's wait till it's not so favorable for the players, and let's let this play out a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, it, these are all really tough questions, and it's going to depend on how confident the lawyers feel about their positions, and also how far apart they were when things broke down on March 11th. I mean, if, if we could go back in time and, and pick up at March 8th, maybe the deal gets done, and, and that's the hope. Right. Coming in front of George, Judge Boylan now. Well, that's what Peter King said in his Monday morning quarterback column this week, is, is how close they were when when the certification button was hit, and that maybe these, these gaps can be bridged. How, 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 and one, one more legal question for you. I know the league does not want a collective bargaining agreement that will be under the uh, purview of a federal judge, right. a la David Doty, moving forward. Uh, and that's part of the reason why they wanted to have this uh, mediation in front of George Cohen, which uh, didn't happen for the league. Um, can that be, I haven't seen this anywhere. Can't, can that be, um, uh, uh, negotiated into a new CBA? Part of the things that the league holds for is that there is no judicial oversight, or is it just automatic that a CBA that's cooked in the oven of a a judge's chambers automatically must be, uh, have, have an oversight of a federal judge? No, in fact, that's, that's a unique provision in the NFL CBA. That, that that's the exception to the rule mm-hmm. where a federal judge doesn't have jurisdiction at all. So they would have to make sure that's in there for the jurisdiction to continue. Uh, and the league wouldn't want that in a no, million years. No. Okay. Uh, that's pretty so that's clear. A, that, so that's a negotiating point. It is. It is. So the fear of having the mediation occur in federal court was not, it shouldn't have been that Judge Boylan or Judge Nelson or Judge Doge or someone would maintain jurisdiction over it. You don't have to agree to that. So it's a non-issue then. It should be not issued. Players might push for it, but but it'll be, become another bargaining chip. Mm-hmm. But it, but it's not something that the owners have to worry about just because it gets resolved. If it gets resolved in federal court, that they'll be stuck with federal supervision. So again, my last question for you is always the same: When? Give me a time frame. How do you think this works out? Well, we've had three windows. One was the deal gets done before the CBA expires. That is gone. The second is. After the CBA expires, but before we get any decision by a judge, we're in that window right now. I'm cautiously optimistic they can still get something done in the next week or two. I mean, we'll know a lot more after those first couple of days of mediation with Judge Boylan. Mm-hmm. I still think it's possible. As you said, Peter King said they weren't that far apart on March 8th or 9th. If they weren't that far apart, maybe it just takes a new setting, just get them back at the table. That's all they need to push it across, and both sides realize the risk that they might lose. If they don't get the deal done now before Judge Nelson rules, I don't see how it gets done before the Eighth Circuit makes their ruling, which could be June or July. Right. So if this window opens and then closes, we're 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 talking the training camp is in jeopardy. That that's my guess. I don't see how someone loses in front of Judge Nelson and just leaves it at that without appealing. I think no, of course, right? Its way through the court. But but could could the Eighth, whatever? I mean, could the Eighth Circuit demand they mediate again, or they just wouldn't at this point? That they, because they, they've mediated twice. Uh, one with a, uh, a mediator with no teeth and one with some teeth, that it would be useless for these guys to keep talking. They, they could try, but I think what's more likely is they'll have an expedited hearing. They'll set the hearing for two or three weeks after right. this decision from Judge Nelson and then make their decision fairly quickly. 
and then let them talk after the fact. All right. So um, so basically we're crossing our fingers for this one. This is it. This is it. We're here. This is it. I mean, they wanted to talk. They're here. This is it. They're talking. And they're talking with cover from a judge created this, this, uh, this, this, uh, I guess, nego- this, um, this Switzerland type setting. It's, right. it's, it's completely neutral and everybody can, don't have to worry about their legal standing. We can just talk, right? That's it. We talk. We talk. And a federal judge says you can't get on Twitter to talk about, you know what I mean? It's, it's perfect. This is it, Gabe. It is. I, look, I, I, I agree with you. I, I am perfect. so cautiously optimistic. I think that this is the right setting for it to happen just because they're finally talking and they're talking about the CBA. They're not talking about the Norris LaGuardia Act. And that was key. And they're not talking in the media. And they're not sniping at each other. They are just trying to resolve and settle a, a new CBA. And everyone realizes, I think, they are eventually going to sit down and talk. Mm-hmm. And they're going to do it before the regular season starts. Mm-hmm. So why not do it now mm-hmm. when you avoid the risk of really losing? It's one thing to go back to your constituents, whether it's the owners or the players, right. and say, we didn't get as big of a win as we had hoped. Yeah, because the, the, the blame it on the judge. Right, but then that's to come back and say, you know what, we got creamed. That's because different. of litigation, that's yeah. that's worst case. It seems to me. Of course, it is. That that would uh, that's the hope that it drives them back to the table. They're at, they're back at the table now. I hope it drives them to actually reach some sort of compromise. Gabe, thanks for the. Oh, before I let you go, is the Laguardia? Is that the Mayor Laguardia? Is that the one in the city? Is that Fiorello? That's, that's the man. Really, I didn't know that. See, you're learning you're learning something new. I don't want to learn these things. You're, you're almost to that honorary law degree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and all I have to do is just show up. If you offer me the honorary law degree, I, I will even put you on faculty here. He'll be the deal. Yes, you get on faculty here at Tulane Law School. If yeah. I get a guest appearance on CSI. <laughs> Did you see my CSI Miami guest? I've seen a, a clip of it. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I mean, I played myself, so so clearly I've had 41 years of uh, practice. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'm going to work on that on my end, and you work on yours, please. I'll, I'll even play a dead body, whatever. It <laughs> uh, we don't want that, Gabe. You're you're you're, you're too animated for that. That's well, not your I, role. I, I appreciate that, Gabe. Thanks for the time. Yeah, my pleasure. We appreciate it. That's Gabe Feldman, our legal expert on the podcast, saying that this is it. This is the time. The time is now to strike a deal. The time is now, Michael Lombardi. The yes. time is freaking now to strike a deal. Would you not agree? Absolutely. Especially since there's an adult in the room now. We have supervision. So adult in the room. So we can get the uh, something done. Same could also be said when Kara Henderson rejoins the podcast. <laughs> Both female, right? Well, jo- I don't think Judge well, Nelson is going to no, be in No, she's the not room. in the room. Judge she, it, took, it took the female to get the process. Yes, it did. A woman, a woman had to, to. A woman tell. had to step into this boys' club and say, "Hey, guys, let's let's get this thing going." She's she's the the Helen Reddy of the <laughs> of the judicial circuit. <laughs> I am woman, hear me roar. That is one of your favorite karaoke songs, isn't uh, it? Yes, it is. I, I very it, it takes uh, several beverages for me to get to the, <laughs> to the Helen Reddy song on my on I'm my sure karaoke list. But I did that. Ignore. I think I did that at a Pro Bowl, right? Did I do that at uh, at Sunset at a Pro Bowl? You did. You, luckily, you didn't actually do it at the Pro Bowl because you can't. No, do I would never do that there. at the actual Pro Bowl hotel. Because you just doing New do York, that. New York, and I did then that twice, right? When the power went out, you did it again. That did you broke ever hear up that story? everybody. No, no, I love I, to I hear the me to carry, there's, there's a karaoke night at the Pro Bowl every year at the Players Hotel where we stay. And um, so I come back in, and I forgot it was karaoke night. We come back in from uh, dinner, and sure enough, there's like Willis McGahey and Ed Reed, and, and he had had a couple beverages at that yeah. point. Okay, they're all there. They're all there singing, <laughs> and I, I, I put my name on the list. And now it's time for me to sing New York, New York, and I'm killing it. 
Yes, just I can kill see it. that. Yeah. Just killing it. It's I like, mean, this is my this is rodeo. it. This is it. I mean, Sinatra, <laughs> Sinatra. This is it. Right. It's not my first rodeo. I'm killing it. And uh, right in the middle of the right, just when you get to the key change, yeah. Uh, power goes out. Power goes out. Lights, microphone, music. Boom. That simulated. Out. That was so good. It Done. Was... <laughs> so the the crowd. You were there, Kara. I was. The crowd was upset. <laughs> there was, was an audible groan in the room. Yes. That my groove had been. Uh-huh. Interrupted. You sure they weren't worried about the ice melting? It was. It was. It, it was. Pro- it could have been that too. That the mai tais would stop flowing for even two seconds. I understand that would be an issue, but it was clearly the entertainment was was had to be stopped. So some poor uh, uh, karaoke guy is running around like a chicken without his head cut off and making sure everything. Boom! Lights come back on. Sixty seconds later, clearly I have to start from scratch. Right. Right. Absolutely. So I started singing the song from the top. Right. At this point, I'm now noticing Peyton Manning in the room. Okay. And sure enough, he he was I brought the house down. Yeah. And what I did at the end of the song, usually, as I always do, is I flip the microphone up in the air and walk out. (laughs) And I'll never forget because I flipped the mic up in the air and Willis McGahee snatched it out of the air before it hit the ground. And Ed Reed is is basically carrying me out of the room on his shoulders. Classic moment. Next day, Peyton Manning is on our air, right? Mm Mm-hmm. You remember this, right? I do, of okay. course. Do you want to tell, pick up the story from here? Or, or? So he was talking with John Lynch, and basically yes. um, John Lynch was trying to get his kids down. It's it's really tough, of course, at the On Pro Bowl, because everybody's, their hours are all screwed up because of the fact that yeah. it's you know it's such a different time change. And right when he was thought he finally had his kids down, there's Rich. <laughs> and his voice does carry. Yeah. I don't know if that would surprise anyone, especially with the windows open, yeah. as they are in no, Hawaii. As they are in Hawaii. So he finally thought it was over when the power went out. Kids are finally going down. And then there it goes again. Apparently Jeff Saturday and his family have similar issues. Uh, but Peyton Manning did, did um, you know, I, I, I felt hazed because he did it one better, retelling the story on our air live to Jamie Dukes. Um, with Lynch there, saying that uh, I was singing with my shirt off. <laughs> Patently not true. False. As false as false can get. And uh, I was singing with my shirt off, and I think he said something that he was going to call Roger Goodell to see if the commissioner could could do something, lay down some sort of law to uh, punish me forevermore. For from, indecent exposure, or, or? So, or for or something, but <laughs> he went off and and you know and had the live microphone on the network for a while, and and it was it was it was quite something. How did we get on the subject? I forget how we got on the subject. Can I the adult in the room? Yeah, the adult in the room. There you go. There we go. I don't know. No, I am woman. I am woman. woman. There we go. There we Full go. Helen Reddy. Circle. We went Full down circle. under. So don't. Here's what I said to Gabe Feldman. I'm like, this is it. And I even clapped like that. This is it because we've got. Could you imagine they strike a deal right before the draft? The draft would be through the roof. It would be the highest rating draft in the history. You know, it'd be like putting Charlie Sheen back on two and a half men. <laughs> you take the mess and you turn it into ratings, you know? And, and so you take the mess, you turn it into ratings, boom. Then the network releases the schedule right mm-hmm. after the draft. Right. So everybody's psyched. They're looking at their draft, their teams, just drafted players. Now you get the schedule. Something tangible. Season's coming. Right after that, free agency. You're yeah. kidding me. That'd be perfect. This is it. This is it. 
But of course, there's lawyers in the room saying, well, maybe we should wait and make a deal. Let's see what the judge says. Let's see if we can litigate. Let's take it to the Eighth Circuit. Come on. But right? don't you think the judge has basically told them to make a deal or has implied them with the good idea to make a deal? I guess. I guess. Or else we wouldn't be in this situation, would we? If the if they were all going to wait, I think that's what the, the well. I mean, the judge said. is saying something. I mean, you can't say no, judge. We won't mediate. Right. It's like yes, yes, ma'am. You tell us where to meet. Whose so, offices? And it's only through dialogue are we going to get an agreement. So it has to be a good thing. What are you hearing? You hearing anything? I haven't heard anything. I think no the one's judge, talking. No Nobody's one's talking. talking, and that's a good thing. We it is have, right. Silence. Well, that to, was we well, that was when the mediation, when you really felt like I was in D.C. at the time, when you felt like the mediation had broken down, is when all of a sudden. All the leaks started coming out of everywhere. Tweets, a lot of Twitter, hacking. And, you know, Dominic Foxworth is on CNN. And, you know, I mean, it's, you know, that's when all of a sudden you felt like, oh, dear. But that can't happen here, right? Even if mediation begins to fall, you can't, you can't, you can't go there because George Cohen isn't going to be ruling on your future from a bench. You don't want to upset the judge. Yes. So there'll be no tweeting, even if this thing breaks down. (laughs) Yes. This is a tweet-free zone, which is thank goodness, you know, and, and there'll be no sniping. And uh, poor Albert Breer uh, is back on the um, on but the. See, we say poor Albert Breer. He enjoys he's this. Back. He's in the mix. He's do, you know. He's back he's on reporting. the stakeout. And but it, I, but I, he did tweet on Tuesday that he had an, a seat indoors this time. That's good. Which is good. But even though now it's spring, it's Minneapolis. It's Minneapolis in spring. I know, right? <laughs> I mean, you can't put him on the street. So we're hearing nothing. Nobody's no. saying anything. No, I think it's the, like like because nobody said, wants to be the one to incur somebody's wrath for saying something stupid. I would think so, and I think it's more important that they talk in the room than talk to us. All right. So, <sighs> what are you hearing about the draft? Cam I, Newton, one overall. Yes, I, I think this is going to be a fascinating draft. I think it, it because there's so many different variables that are going to play out. If you call, follow your scenario, and let's say we do oh, get an Carson agreement, Carson Palmer's in play. Say we do get an agreement, right. and say there is a rookie pool. Now the top five of the draft are oh open up to trades, and it would be the most interesting draft because now trade you can trade. Right now, Carolina can't trade the pick because nobody wants the pick because they don't know how much it's going to cost. So you're stuck with it. you got to take it. But if we get an agreement, and that's a big if, then that pick becomes open, and all of a sudden we'll start to see what people really want to do at 7, 8, 9, back to 12. Oh, Is man. Minnesota going to come up? I think it opens up a complete possibility oh, so and changes great. the dynamic of the draft completely. How you know how people be? are when they like to they like to get their draft boards set, yes. you know, the week of or week before certainty. the draft. People want certainty. So what would this be like if all of a sudden, two days before the draft, yep, we've got an agreement. Yeah, it, it would Look uh, out. People it, would they, they wouldn't sleep right. Well, I evaluators think, wouldn't sleep for 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 the forty eight hours before the depending draft. on what the rookie deal is. It would it would keep them up for that. Plus, it would then the phone calls would be made, perhaps illegally, to agents. I want to sign your guy because I don't want to draft a receiver in the first round. So I'm going to sign this guy. Once we get into free agency, can we make a deal? We'd be back to the pre combine days. We got to of- stop this talk. I'm getting. I'm, this is this is because it's just because it's. If it doesn't happen, I'll be so bummed. It will be because this is so how exciting. It would be great, and I think if we get the rookie pool, which it seems like there's an agreement on both sides that, that, we're that was, have some... wasn't that something that was already there was a report that that was already mm-hmm. right that was agreed to and moved forward, and that agents were still going to be part of the process, which is what the agents wanted, right? And that that was that was one of the first things, but I think right out of mediation. Right. But that, they that can't make settled. that deal now because if we reflect back to 09 or 010 rules, we'd be back in the same rookie pool, and that pick would be prorated off of Sam Bradford's deal at $50 million guaranteed. So nobody can trade the pick right now. So that's why the pick's in limbo. Once that, if we get an agreement, that pick becomes in play. Denver, picking at two, would you rather pick at seven, add more picks? I mean, I think there's a lot of possibilities that open up. Mm. 
So that makes the draft faster. Look how excited you're getting. Because it's just, you know what? I feel, I, I it's just been so long. You know, I feel like Tom Hanks in Castaway. <laughs> you know, like I'm talking to Wilson. football. I'm talking to football. Name Wilson. You know, I'm 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 taking the spear and stabbing the water and bringing. You know, playbook is coming out. You know, and 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 FedEx boxes are washing up on shore with 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 draft guides that we don't know if we're going to use because of the rules and all. I've you know. But then you I smell an butter. idea for June I'm, if we don't have way, a Don't think it is, these things haven't already been put in motion in certain places. They have. Let's put Rich um, on a I'm desert already, island. I'm, I'm throwing these things out there. Over here. No, I mean, these are, ger- these are kernels of these. Ker- these are kernels. These are yeah. these are seeds. These are seeds. You're just not going to be like one of those guys who sits in a tree until the agreement comes and not eat or do anything. Well, you Cara, you wanted me to. You wanted me to grow uh, a lockout beard. A lockout beard yeah. that I would go on the air and. But then you know, then when you know people get furloughed and it's not so funny. <laughs> yes. I mean, I'm growing, I'm growing facial hair while it's a lockout. <laughs> so I mean, therefore I shave. I think it's good you're growing for your other people. hair out for the for lockout. The, yeah, so. I'm wearing my extensions today. Can you tell? <laughs> you shave These for the my people. Extensions. I shave for the people. I shave because it's appropriate. It's appropriate. It's professional, and we move forward. So let's assume there's no deal. Mm-hmm. We assume there's no deal, and it's just a straightforward draft. Is it is the draft vanilla or or what? Yeah, well, the picks will be hard, almost impossible to trade. Denver would like to trade down right now, but I think it's so. You will. Th- you think we see fewer trades if there's if there's yeah, no agreement? Yeah, because there's really no. What are you? What are you? What are you paying for the pick? If, if next the, year's drafts? Well, picks? The, the money. What's it going to cost you to get into the top ten? How much is that pick going to cost you? If you have we no have, idea. You could be making a trade, and then all of a sudden there's an injunction, and boom, your, we're playing in 2010 rules. There goes your budget. There goes out your the budget. door. Yeah, so and I you're think, like, why did I trade for that guy? Yeah, he's not worth that money. Remember, the draft's all about money. It's really not about – it's about value equals the player. And so when you don't know how much the money's going to cost you, it's tough to equate the players to it. Right. So that the rules – if the rules stay status quo, there'll be no trades. And – you know, whether Cam Newton's the first pick or whether A.J. Green, there's a lot of people talking. Now, we're in the lying zone now. Starting yesterday. <laughs> we're we walking at, through the smoke screens. Exactly. It's all the lying zone. Why so, yesterday? Well, because it's all the workouts are done, the combine, the rechecks of the physicals are over with. So now everybody's pretty much in meetings and everybody's in a group saying nobody leaks any information. We Everybody just put out bad information. Actually, if the guy tells the truth now, nobody believe him. Well, that's what I would do. If, if that's Carolina, absolutely what I would do. Completely I'd come right out and be like, we are drafting Cam Newton number one. Yeah, there you go. And then, <laughs> and then everybody's like, what? No way. Actually, John Butler was probably the only guy in the league who always told the truth, but nobody believed him. Because you never know. Cause Cause you just, but why wouldn't you believe him if he always told the truth? Wouldn't you, well, after, it, oh, I don't well, know, never knew. 10 yeah. years of it, figure that he only Maybe he was just truth. setting you up for the big lie. <laughs> he only, that's exactly right. There's always that moment where you can't believe him. Right. But we are in, as Michael Lewis had a book called Liar's Poker, we're in Liar's Poker Range right now. Right now. You don't believe anything anybody's saying No, right and now. so, you know, Carolina, A.J. Green, or is it Blaine, is it Blaine Gabbard? Is it going to be Cam Newton? I think, uh, and then what we're going to start seeing is, almost like seeing two Lee Harvey Oswalds in Dallas each day, yes. each year. Yeah. We're going to start seeing private workouts that really didn't happen, that are reported to have happened, and this has happened, and yes. it didn't happen. So there's a lot of misinformation. It is funny, too, when you're friends with people, and they won't even tell you where they're going for workouts, <laughs> right? And, and you're yeah. like, oh, I just was asking to be nice. Yeah, Daniel Snyder's private tail, tail play is all, everybody's bored. Where's that plane going? You know, mm. we have to follow that plane. and Follow the plane. We follow did that when they hired them. Shanahan. We, we called up somebody oh, we knew at the airport, and we're you. like, can you follow this tail number? Well, Favre, got watch. A big red Favre watch was all about following tail numbers. Exactly. For two summers. So, it's all about that. Anytime, anytime Favre would make a move for the airport, Scott Hansen was there the, right. at the uh, 
Starkville Sabaros or whatever it was, and, <laughs> and, and the staking it out. You know, and the players aren't aren't interested in this either because <laughs> the Hattiesburg uh, Cinnabon. The, I mean, the, the players aren't innocent in this either, because if they can stimulate, they can make another team think a team's interested in them. Right. That creates helps their stock. So then you have to weigh that: is it coming from the players? Is it coming from the team? There's so much you're better off just not paying attention to everything. Just go under radio silence. So what are we? What do we? What do? You, what do we have two weeks from now? I mean, you got we got we got a lot to talk about. I, I think. I, mean, so I, I think it's going to be Cam a fascinating. Newton. It's Cam Newton. I'm going to get right there. Cam Newton won. Here go. Here's my mock draft 1.0 off the top of my freaking head. Okay, uh, Cam one, uh, Darius two. Yes. They, they, let's not kid. The Broncos need him in the worst right. play. They need right. defensive players. Um, uh, three Buffalo. Uh, they go this. They go that. We get Gabbard. I don't think he's our guy because Newton's gone. We would have had. We would take a Newton if Newton was there. Von Miller. There you go. Von okay. Miller's a Buffalo Bill. And then Cincinnati. And then for Cincinnati, 100 percent goes AJ Green. I think that's AJ right. Green. Carson's our guy, blah, blah, blah. Carson, well, his house is on sale. Well, Carson's under contract. Carson's under contract. Carson's under contract. They'll go out and they'll get Bulger. They'll throw a ton of money at him once the shop opens up. Yeah, Get him, and then and and that's it. And they'll move forward and blah, 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 and then Carson will show up, force a trade. He'll go play somewhere else. That's part of my mock draft right there. There. Okay? And then number five, this is the interesting one, because Arizona now, boy, do they need Blaine Gabbard. Right. They gotta take him, right? Right. Gabbard's there at five. Mm-hmm. Wizen hunts all over him. Rat on cheese. Correct. Right. White on rice. Right. Correct. I would think so. Yeah, they have to. They have, and especially since you've given Mark Bolger, who the Cardinals wanted last year but couldn't sign. Well, they don't if know you've that given right them now. To Cincinnati, I'm, then going, they have I'm giving to them to Cincinnati. Well, I guess so. No, but they would obviously they wouldn't know that at the time. Well, I think they, everybody has an idea. I mean, Bolger's gonna is gonna be an interesting element to this top ten. Right. He really is because he can only play in one city next year. He can't go to five teams, and somebody's going to be short of a quarterback, whether it's Cincinnati, whether it's uh, San Francisco, whether it's Arizona. Mm. What do you think? Who's six? Who's six? I forget. The, six. the Cleveland Browns. Cleveland Browns six. That is totally Julio Jones. Book it. Yeah. What do you I, think? I, I'm, I'm liking totally it. totally going. Why even hold there. the draft, really? Yeah, I, mean, I mean, when well, you've well, got this figured I'm go, out no, I'm, going for, I'm going for that $10 million uh, Bud Light prize or whatever it is. That's <laughs> if you get all 32 first-round picks correct. I've been in the league 20, oh, over 25 years. I couldn't even imagine somebody getting that right. I couldn't even imagine. For all 32 picks, right? I, and I, It'll be like Matt Hasselbeck's son, it, right? It, it, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Right? His little father. Henry. Henry's going to get it right. I think Henry fizzled after the league. No, he made it all yeah, like almost I think I know after Philly the Elite Eight. Eight, I think Elite Eight is when he began to lose steam. Oh. Yeah. Poor Henry. But he's only five. He's only got <laughs> he's got, he's got his whole future, future ahead of him. <laughs> he's got a great future. He's got his whole future ahead of him. Henry Hasselbeck. But hey, I, what a great name, by the way. I, uh, the cutest and, kids ever, too. And, oh God. They're all little toeheads, right? I mean, his wife is beautiful. So um seven. Who's seven? Seven, seven is the San Francisco 49ers. Now I turn to you, sir. You know this organization quite well. The, the I would new, say under your scenario, Patrick Peterson would be the pick. Yes. Right? Yeah, I would have to be. Give us one, Rich. Give us one. Peterson. <laughs> <laughs> that was on the other day, and I couldn't change the channel. Yeah, you cannot change the channel. Oh, oh Ferris Bueller's Day yes, Off? That, that is one of those movies for me you as well. Cannot. That, that it, it, No matter where you what you, where you pick it up, I, you got to watch it. Sloan. I always thought if I had a girl, I'd be her Sloan. was she? She, she had such a, Sloan. She a great, but I, I finally so decided hot. my favorite scene in the movie is when, Mia he's, Sarah, is when he's running home on. to try to beat his sister and his mom home, yeah. and he jumps over all the curbs, and he sees the two girls laying on the bench, and he starts running, comes back, and introduces them. Though. I think that's the favorite scene. That defines the movie. All the, right of, all, there. of all the scenes, there's tons of great scenes in that movie. Uh, so Peterson is seven. Um, 
Uh, do we do we continue on with this? I think we could continue on with this. Well, but Tennessee needs a quarterback too. Tennessee's so they, eight, and so you know, Gabbert's off the board. They're not going to go locker or anything like I that. I could imagine here. they would. No. So they'll go defense, right? Yeah. Who'd they go? Would they go Bowers here? What would they do? Would I would they say go? they would either go. Uh, they could go. Could they go Quinn? Did they, they go, go Quinn? Quinn, or they could go Nick Fairley, Tracy Rocker, Nick the defensive. Fairley, ah, oh, yes, Auburn's guy. So he's See, there. You're connecting dots. And then nine is uh, the Dallas Cowboys, and oh, everybody seems go, to think it's Trevon sorry, Smith. Right, right. The the tackle from the USC, tackle. right? And then, ten, and then ten, you got the Redskins. Redskins. Who the pick is open for bid? I mean, I think the Redskins want to add multiple picks. Well, I heard the other day, uh, Stacy Dale said it on the air. I didn't even know that as well. Uh, did they 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 pick in the first round and they have a second and then none to the fifth? Yeah, well they traded the three for Jamal Brown and they and they traded part of it for Donovan McNabb and so they've lost a lot of picks and they've traded their picks so they have to try to recoup by trading down they wow. can get something going and and they they need a lot of players. I mean this is not a talented team. Obviously you're not picking tenth in the draft because you because you physically are talented. Well, so. I, and to me I think neither receiver neither big player receivers there. I think neither of them are there yeah. at that point in time. What do you do? I think they would. If you're sitting all there at ten, if you're sitting there at ten, and both replacements potentially for Hainsworth are gone, and Miller's gone, and Peterson's gone, and the quarterbacks are gone, I would think they. Would I think I I one hundred percent think this is the situation that the Redskins are going to find themselves in at ten. I and, believe this. And then uh, what they do they would, do? I would say they pick Alden Smith at that point because they need another outside rusher to go with Brian or mm-hmm. Apropos. And uh, they, it wasn't Andre Carter last year, so they need to set the 34 defenses with edges, and they have one edge. They need the other edge set. So I think that would be the way to go. You're, they were so bad on defense last and then, year. Well, how do they get so – they, wow. They could go in any direction. They, they go quarterback in the second round then, and they hope that somebody – Well, there was around. a lot of talk last year that Jake Locker was the guy. And, and if there's one yeah. system – and I'm not a Jake Locker fan, but if there's one system he would excel in, it would be the Redskins. Oh, man, I'll tell you what. You know, you hear all this stuff. Who's a Jake Locker fan? Other than the Locker family. I, I think there are a time. lot of people in Tennessee, and I, this is reliably reported, this is outside liar zone, uh, that are very much a, a fan of <laughs> Your uh, lips the are liar moving. zone Your lips with are moving. Michael Lombardi. This is, uh, that, that there are a lot of people in Tennessee that feel very comfortable with them. And they were probably the most uh, represented team at his private workout the other day. So I think there is some people in Tennessee that like him. But other than that, I, I find a very hard time finding them. But so, say so he would he would uh, mentor behind Kerry Collins. Is that what that would work? Well, I don't know how he works. I think the only really system tap he... out Vince Young for Jake Locker and no. sell that to the fans. Uh, you're tapping out the 4.5 roster bonus. Then you are. I mean, they're not going to pay Vince Young 4.5 roster bonus. Follow the money. You know, they're not going to do that. No, I understand that. But... So he's got to go, and then whoever you bring in, you know, and maybe they'll draft somebody in the second. Maybe it's that... Andy Dalton, Christian Palmer. By the way, that that lurks as um, where do you rank that? And then, then we'll finish our discussion like this in an up note. <laughs> I just raised my hands on an up note. Give me the top five stories once the lockout lifts. I think the number one story is going to be who solves their quarterback problems. Where are all the quarterbacks end up? The well, quarterback I, know, Carol I, I know that, but I, I'm, I, I don't want to go macro. I want to go micro. Kara Henderson, what's the top story? The top story coming out of the lockout? Yeah, I have mine. Well, then go first because I, you, you Carson just Palmer. Threw it, threw Carson it Palmer, me. story one. Carson Palmer, story mm-hmm. number one. What happens there? And that's the interview to score, by the way. Nobody's found out the last straw. Nobody's sat down Carson. He still isn't saying a word. And I, 
Dunn and him are sitting back. They have to be waiting for the right spot. And by the way, the Rich Eisen podcast is the perfect spot. I'm saying that right now. Carson Palmer story one. I think Greta Van Susteren already has that book. (laughs) (laughs) Is that on the record or off the record with her? I I can never tell. It's on the record with Greta. I think it's on the record with her. She's never off the record. Maybe she is. Maybe she is. We just don't know because she's not going to say that. We never know. Uh, Story two, Vince. Vince, 100%. Where's Donovan? Well, that's the thing. They're all quarterbacks, right? Like Kevin Cobb. Well, like what's, he's you know? Micro. I'm microing. Oh, yeah. I'm microing. Okay. I'm microing. So Kevin Cobb. Kevin Cobb's three. Yeah. McNabb's uh, further down the list, I think. Because I think that that's, that's a, I think he's the Minnesota. I don't Cam think Newton, there's going to well, be Cam, much. This is after the draft, so Cam Newton would have been declared. And so, uh, and then the effect of. Lockout who, opens before the draft. Something's going on. There's, then, there's Boom. It's all out there now. Then, right? What, what teams do with the quarterbacks currently on the roster? Mm-hmm. What happens with if, say, uh, Tennessee drafts a quarterback? What do they do with their guys? And same thing with Arizona. Is Namdi five? Namdi will be a big. Well, he's story. number one free agent, right? End of story. Yes, he'll be the big story. Oh, how great would this be if they make? What this a guy story? he is, by the way. Oh, Tremendous. Yeah. Oh, you Tremendous. meet him. Good actor. Just good actor. Love him. Good actor. And On he, Friday Night Lights, he had a Friday Night Lights oh, cameo. Was he in? Friday he was great. He was great. He played. Uh, the is local this supposed to be a officer. segue to your cameo? No, no. Gabe Feldman already mentioned CSI Miami. My appearance. It's okay. By the way, which won the time slot? <laughs> I never doubted it. For I moved a minute. the needle. I moved the needle. That's a no time. No was it following like the cause, Masters or something? If you can cause it a did power actually. <laughs> it did. It was on the Sunday of the Masters. If you can cause a power outage in Hawaii, then clearly out. you can move the I can needle. Cause, I can move the needle. I can cause a power outage wherever I want. I'm sort of like I'm Marshall, sort of like an X Man. I think Marshall calls you the needle mover, doesn't he? Well, it's because I refer to myself as that. Oh. In the meetings at the, in the NFL game day morning. Listen, with with him, Sap. And Irvin in the room. Somebody, I got to step my game up somehow. You know, to, this to is true. you know, my personality. I think be... it's the reporter whips. It's when Lombardi and I, <laughs> you know, uh, we dispense it. the information that only we can provide <laughs> the, from the locations. The Emmy-nominated NFL game day morning. There you go. That's it's all great. our nomination. Thanks for coming in. Thank you, Rich. Appreciate it, Kara. As always. Always. As always. Oh yeah, I want to get to Ray Lewis story from you before we go because let's bring this whole podcast full circle. He was. All right. Unbelievable. So, well, in any interview at the, to start the show. Uh, let's start back in November. Jim Schwartz, who is working for me in Cleveland, who's right. now the head coach of the Detroit Lions, is a college scouting assistant. Right. And he says, we got to really do a lot of work on this player. And he shows Ray Lewis to me, and the guy makes an incredible play. And so we go to the combine, and we're gonna, we want to interview him face-to-face. So we bring him into this room where we would watch tape. It was off the side before they changed the rules at the combine. So in comes Ray Lewis, and in comes Lawrence Phillips. And we sit them down and together, room, together. And Why, we're how did they just happen to just, be together? That just happened to be together. And so we put on a tape and Ray Lewis is just absolutely in love with watching the tape. Lawrence Phillips is over there wondering what he's doing in the room. Ray Lewis is describing every single play on the thing. And then it comes out that, you know, Ray Lewis would have been the only three time state wrestling champion in the state of Florida in the history of, the, of wrestling. Only he got disqualified as a junior because he got thrown off the map. And here's this guy who was just absolutely because he got what thrown, thrown off? off the mat. He threw his opponent off the mat before the rings the bell started, so he was disqualified. <laughs> that doesn't sound like the Ray Lewis I know. Are you serious? Yeah. So because he was just so, so into intense, it and so just... into it. And Can so you imagine this, having this to wrestle player, Ray? Lewis? This player sat in the room, <laughs> and then of course, and, and he pins you before. The bell. <laughs> You win. And How great of a story is that win. for that guy right now? It's like, I'd be Ray Lewis think, in a wrestling do you, do you think, match. Yeah, do you think he tells the fine print on that story, <laughs> not, that guy? Not so much. And then the story goes. I'd be Ray Lewis. And we go full circle. Belichick and I get fired, and they pick him in Baltimore. 
So it was the next pick. So we all got fired. The week, uh, four days later was Valentine's Day. Dolchek got fired a week later. I got fired, and then, and then they picked Ray Lewis. So you had already been doing these evaluations oh, we, uh, we, for I Cleveland. Fact, oh, we clearly had done them. We were going to draft. I mean, and that pick really was a, was a result of a trade we made the year prior where we traded down in the draft and picked up an extra one, and then we never got a chance to make the Was pick. he as intense yeah. back then? So I'm confused. The Ravens had moved. There was still a Cleveland organization? Well, they, they hadn't been. The, that, at that combine was finally the approval of the team allowed the team to move to Baltimore. And we were still technically part of the organization at that time, and then, you know, stuff started to happen. So then they, so then they, 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 they hired. We became uh, castaways. We were looking for our Wilson ball. So uh, <laughs> we were thrown ashore. <laughs> Right. And so uh, and then they went on and picked him. Schwartz was in personnel at the time. Then he moved, transitioned over to coaching. And then Ray Lewis just became a great player. And and, and a lot of the work was done prior to that. And mm-hmm. So but his his personality was so dramatically different than Lawrence Phillips, who was kind of dull in the room, really didn't want to watch the game, couldn't tell you what was going on, on the screen. You put Ray Lewis in that room and all of a sudden he told you everything what everybody was doing on Miami's team. He told the opponent he knew everything what was going on. It was an incredible interview and it was just powerful. How many people could you just name off that were in that organization with you? Oh, it was, we, you know, Michael Holly's writing a book about it right now. You know, it starts with Eric Mangini. It starts with Mike Tannenbaum. It starts with uh, Jim Schwartz, uh, Kirk Ferentz, who's the head coach at Iowa. Mm-hmm. Pat Hill's the head coach at Fresno State. Uh, Phil Savage was a general manager of Cleveland. Uh, George Kikanis. Uh, was Dimitrov Scott Pioli, there with you? Thomas Dimitrov. They were all there. Isn't that amazing? I mean, think about really, that was, tree right there. It was there. really, it was mm. almost like it started, and, and it's a tribute to Belichick because he was able to, we developed a program to bring players in, develop them, and we brought a program in to develop coaches and scouts and personnel people. So it really worked out well. And Belichick was just a different guy back then but compared to now? Or? No, I think he's the same guy. I think the media sees him in a different light today. than Well, because he's got the rings He's now, got three I mean, of them. But the program we were building in Cleveland uh, was really a good program. He's just taken it in my, in, in and And really, if the Browns didn't move, do you think? What, what would have happened? I think I said this, and I, I've said this since the day he left. Belichick was going to win Super Bowls no matter where he went. In the Cleveland Browns organization. Yeah, well, he was going to win. I mean, there was never a doubt. Just like there was never a doubt the first time we watched Nick Saban coach, right. he was there as well. And there was never, there's never a way for, for Modell to have... It became more of a, it became a, a popularity thing. Bill had, had, we made the transition from getting rid of Bernie Kosar. Right. And so that really left a sting in the fans. And so he was never endeared to the fans there. And Modell played to the fans. And so he brought Ted Marshall in, who was a Baltimore guy, was with the Colts, and that played into the, the factor. Uh, so, so you think the Kozar thing was like, was that well, I think the last it, straws? I think it, it made the fans resent Bill. Right. As the, as, as cutting their, but he did the right thing. And ultimately now, it's funny. because Kozar's Bernie, with the, he helps Kozar the Patriots, helps them out now. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a true, I mean, Bernie went on to Dallas and really didn't do anything. And they went to Miami. Bernie, unfortunately, got hurt in the game against Kansas City where he hurt his elbow and he couldn't throw the ball anymore. And we made a tough decision. And ultimately, sometimes tough decisions are hard. Well, and, and they, let's be honest, Bill Belichick isn't out to win a popularity contest. No, and, that, and that, that's what, and, but, but the fans in Cleveland, so there was no goodwill built up. And mm-hmm. so Modell sensed. He needed to uh, make a decision. But you knew on the spot Ray Lewis was his, was destined. Just like we knew when the first time you watched Nick Saban coach, that you knew he was going to be a great head coach. You just knew it. And by the way, you know what Ray Lewis does in the offseason? Goes to Africa and, op- and builds orphanages. Walks 10 miles both ways with women, with did kids. Did you know? He said, he I said, mean, he's amazing. He said on the podcast, did you, did you know that he, um, I'd never heard this before, that after games, um, as he's driving home, he's, he, he stops and... Uh, Blighted areas of, of Baltimore. Wow. Just to go visit people. Yeah. I mean, that's he incredible. just says, you know, when he's done, just like um, he's on his way home, he says, take me, take me here. 
And he, get, he, he, he stops off somewhere and, and people say, what are you doing here? And he responds by saying, what are you doing here? You know, I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah. I've never heard of anything like that. He he is an he's an unbelievable person, and he's been one his whole life. He really has. From the time I met him in that room, until watching him play, and the way he can create, he's just a true natural born leader. There are some people that will never be able to. And you know, see it's funny though, but it, I've, some people I've had will a, never see him that way. I had a couple it, hour conversation with him about this, and he says, "I'm glad I have an image problem." He embraces it yeah. because it. Gives him the crucible to be the person that he wants to be. Without without promoting it, I mean that's the other right. thing. You know, he does things without having to you know stand up there and have the picture taken with him in that. That being area. said, I'd love to go to Africa with a camera <laughs> and see see or what that's all about. One. With even without one, I'd love to go to Africa. Yeah. That would be bad. Uh, okay, June, June, you can yeah, June. <laughs> no, gonna, no, it's going to be free agency. It's going to be free agency. You can go. You can go hike up Kilimanjaro with Jeff Fisher. No, I've I've got to be here. He's committed here. He's committed here. I'm here because he knows the deal's going to get done in the next two weeks. That's right. He knows it. He set it up. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, Rich. Michael Lombardi, Kara Henderson. Want to thank Ray Lewis, Shad Ireland. That was great to have him on, and Gabe Feldman as well. This is the Rich Eisen podcast presented by Papa Jones. Stay listening, friends.